Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Hi, everyone. I'm John C. Morley, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Hey guys, it's John C. Morley here, Sir Entrepreneur. Welcome to J. Moore Tech Talk. Great to be with you guys uh, tonight. It is a wonderful evening uh, here. I cannot believe that we are on the third Friday of November. That means, ladies and gentlemen, next week is Thanksgiving. So a happy early uh, Thanksgiving to everyone uh, because we only have one more Friday in the month, and then we're going to be in December. All right, so we have a great show uh, planned for you guys tonight. We have a lot of great guests coming for you guys uh, in 2023, so definitely excited about that. And uh, so let's get right into our show, shall we? Our our first uh, topic of the news is, yes, Google Maps update makes finding uh, electric vehicle fast chargers easy. So What's this all about? Well, uh, so uh, if you've had uh, Google for a while, um, you might have noticed that they were able to show you some of the charges, but they weren't actually able to show you uh, the fast chargers as as, uh, easily. So Google has um, made it easier now for electrical vehicle owners to basically use Google Maps and to find chargers fast. So the new update, Google's update, uh, allows you to find uh, fast, the the super fast uh, EV chargers uh, quicker. And you might be saying, well, you know, how does does that work? Well, the way it works is they've added uh, some new technology to their software. And so... um, before you were able to find things, but now you're able to see uh, the faster charging stations. So I think that's really cool. And Google had announced that the new EV charging filtering option will show up when you search for EV charging stations. So rather than having to dig down into the more filter section and you just simply hit the new fast charge option on the filter and the search bar will immediately change. And the fastest options uh, that you have, basically faster than 50 kW to be specific. Uh, And it's also possible to filter for stations compatible with your charging plug only. And both of these options are available on the Android and the iOS everywhere in the world, uh, wherever there are EV charging stations. So 
I think this is really something good uh, that actually, um, you know, Apple um, iOS now supports and Android supports. So this was great uh, that, that Google did this. I mean, kudos uh, to Google. You know, I don't usually give them a kudos, but this is definitely a kudos to them. And they made it really simple. There's just some options at the top. You can check the option for fast charge or check whatever plug you want. And it shows the compatible charging stations literally in seconds. So um, pretty cool. And uh, now you're able to do this uh, quite simply and saving a lot of time so you don't actually go to those slower charging stations because we all know that the fast charging stations uh, do charge much, much quicker. All right, guys. Uh, Apple is getting into hot water again. Yes, the National Apple Epic Trust Battle. It's resuming. I mean. What the heck are they doing? Um, this epic antitrust battle. Yeah, it's uh, resuming again. Apple was sued over tracking and Google's new rules for kids' apps. So uh, this is pretty cool. And I think what's going on is really something that we're going to see a lot more of. I think it's great that they're uh, cracking down on security, especially with kids, because a lot of times, you know, when they're downloading an app, they don't really know that they're uh, becoming vulnerable or their family's becoming vulnerable to something all because they clicked on something. So this is definitely going to be uh, great for a lot of parents out there. And so Apple's antitrust battle uh, against Fortnite maker Epic Games returned to the courtroom after both sides appealed last year's ruling in the potentially um, uh, interesting, uh, precedent setting case over Apple's alleged anti-competitive behavior. And last year, the U S district court judge had largely favored Apple by ruling the tech giant was not acting as a monopolist with regard to its app store practices. The Epic games, um, actually wasn't happy with that decision, of course, and had wanted to, uh, go back to the court to force Apple to support third party payments. And when they did this, they would have to allow Fortnite to uh, basically maximize its revenue by doing this. But meanwhile, Apple didn't want to agree to the court's order. And that said, it would have to permit apps that provide links to um, alternative payments. So Apple didn't want to agree to the court's order that said it would have to permit apps that provide links to alternative payments. So there were oral arguments kicked off. Uh, between the U.S. Court of Appeal for the Ninth Circuit. And um, there are even higher stakes uh, on the mark now for determining Apple's future in the app market and its ability to set its own rules around payments and uh, commissions. So the U.S. Department of Justice and the state of California were granted time to present their own arguments to help explain the proper legal frameworks for evaluating the antitrust claims against Apple. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens. And one of the judges pushed back against the claim, asking if Epic had actually agreed to Apple's developer program licensing agreement with the intention of going forward to restrain trade. He had suggested that the Epic had signed in uh, the order to get into a market, actually. And the lawyer responded, that's true, but the terms of the contract are binding with one party forcing terms on another. 
So excluding contracts from Section 1 scrutiny would allow anti-competitive terms to go unpunished. This is not right. And the court also asked for information on how the government believes the pro-competitive and anti-competitive effects should be weighed against one another to make a judgment. Now, the U.S. government also believed that the lower court misapplied that rule of reason and erred in how it analyzed the monopoly power. So Apple was able to set prices and keep them regardless of what its competition did. And I quote, and as Microsoft explained, that's something only a monopolist can do. And of course, uh, Apple's legal terms came um, with a well-preparation from their legal team. As one judge discovered, Apple's lawyer, uh, Mark Perry, who had been a longtime per partner at Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher, was now at a new firm, while. But that didn't mean Apple had changed firms. It just meant it now had two. Oh, wonderful. Or as Perry put it, we are one big happy family. Just what we need. So Perry's argument just restated the points from the lower court's decision, particularly noting that the iPhone was designed to be more secure than the Macs, which it was kind of, uh, and there was no sideloading, and instead putting apps through human review. And it's a requirement that uh, hard-coded into the iOS, the lawyer had explained, this is how it goes. And it's a technical requirement. And Apple then reflected that uh, in the, uh, the case structure, uh, the lawyer had also told the court that Apple does allow developers to communicate with their users, and there are no restrictions on communications. Expect, of course, restrictions he mentioned in this very next breath. And I quote, Apple does not allow links and buttons because we can't review them. We can't track them. We can't protect users from malware, fraud, porn, hackers, and all of those other things. It would be a breach in the wall, an opening that bad actors could exploit, and it's not well thought out, close quote. So this case will likely continue on, unfortunately, for another six to 12 months more. So don't expect any resolutions before your holidays or even before 2023. And if neither party is satisfied with the resolution, they'll likely be appealing to the Supreme Court, delaying the decision even longer. Now, Apple faces potential class action lawsuits over the data collection practices. And while the epic Apple antitrust battle is one of the most significant lawsuits facing Apple currently, the company was also sued this week over another matter. Another lawsuit is taking on Apple's data collection practices in the wake of a recent report by independent researchers who found that Apple was continuing to track consumers in its mobile apps, even when they had explicitly configured their phone's privacy settings to not do tracking. So this is a problem. And we all know that the tracking they're doing is being sold for big bucks. And so app developers and independent researchers uh, are discovering that Apple is still collecting data about its users across a number of first-party apps, even when users had turned them off on their iPhone. So uh, the analytics settings that promises to disable the sharing of device analytics altogether, well, let's just say that that's not really working. In the test that they did, the researchers examined that Apple's own apps, including the App Store, Apple Music, Apple TV, Books, and Stocks, found that disabling this setting, as well as other privacy controls, didn't impact Apple's ability to collect or not collect data. Plaintiff is looking to have the lawsuit certified as a class action. 
Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. And is seeking compensatory, statutory, and punitive damages in addition to other equitable monetary relief. Now, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, I want to share this with you. I don't care whether you're a small company or whether you're a billion-dollar company. If you don't play fair, you're going to get burned. And, you know, the thing with these big companies is they buy time. That's what they do. They buy time. And, you know, they feel that eventually people are going to go away. But, you know, when something becomes a class action lawsuit, that doesn't end very well. Now, class action lawsuits don't usually happen in 24 hours. They take some time. But when they happen, they cost a company millions and billions of dollars. And so they just want to get out as quick as they can so they can settle the matter and stop the bleeding. So we're going to have to see what's going to happen with Apple, what they're going to do. And, you know, app developers were required to participate in Google's uh, Design for Families programs. If their app was aimed at children and could uh, optionally choose to participate in the program, if their app targeted both kids and older users. Now, it was designed for families and the program included a number of requirements around the app's content, its functionality, use of ads, data practices, use of warning labels, feature set, underlying technology components, etc. And any app in this program was also eligible to be rated for the teacher approved program, which had stricter guidelines, but entry was not guaranteed. Now, the additional policy requirements for the design for families programs are being rolled into the Play Store's broader family policies. And this simplifies the rules for developers building apps for kids, and opening up a broader selection of apps to be eligible to be rated for the stricter teacher-approved program as well. Now, the changes aren't just about serving developers or consumers. They also help Google to meet stricter regulations being considered, drafted, and enacted worldwide around how software is permitted to handle kids' data, right? And user information, the GDPR Act. Uh, and we know the UK's age-appropriate design code is definitely stepping in there, and they're going to put their two cents in. But failure to meet these requirements can result in significant penalties, as Meta recently learned when it was fined roughly $400 million for how it treated children's data on Instagram for just one example in this instance. So um, I think we're going to see some changes not tomorrow uh but definitely um going to see some changes you know and apple actually uh you know had launched the emergency sos via satellite on the iphone 14 uh pro new feature that uses satellites to route calls and events of emergencies when cellular access isn't available now apple released the ios 16.2 beta 3 not too long ago and the iOS 16.2 beta added the new watch list sorting options for the stock app, which are reflected in the updated home uh, screen widget. Now, the newest beta also introduced uh, new toggles for the always-on display that lets users turn off the wallpaper and notifications. A new report for the information had uh, refuted an earlier Bloomberg report, which claimed Apple was targeting to three times the revenue from its ad business. But I have to tell you something. I have no interest in getting the 14. I'm waiting till that new phone comes out to probably the 15, the next one next year comes out because that's the one that's going to have USB-C in it. And that's just going to make things a lot easier. 
Um, so we'll have to see, you know, what's going to go on. But uh, I feel, ladies and gentlemen, that um, Apple is really being watched in a manner that is so tight that if they sneeze the wrong way or breathe the wrong way, they're going to have fines. And it's not because the government's trying to do something wrong. It's not because the legal people are trying to get them in trouble. It's because of the way they have misacted in the past. And so they've been given like this string. But now that they had that string, they're like hanging themselves on it because they have misappropriated data on so many different occasions. I can't even go into all of them. And so everybody collects data, whether we're talking about medical, whether we're talking about uh, businesses, whether this is your credit card data, right? We all know how important PCI compliance is, right? We know how important HIPAA compliance is, Sarbanes-Oxley compliance is, but we don't really hear about compliances for kids and apps. I just feel this is just becoming another, I'm going to say, requirement that is going to be enforced. It was always there, but no one ever dating about it because it was never an issue. Now it's time for the Pipers to watch out because they're coming after you if you start to do things wrong. We know what happened with Meta and Facebook, right? They thought that by changing their name, they were just going to get off scot-free. They didn't get off scot-free. They actually got fined a lot, a lot of money. All right. So uh, Booz Allen says the former staffer downloaded employee personal data. Ouch. Oh, this is just terrible. So the U.S. government contractor Booz Allen Hamilton had disclosed that the former staffer downloaded potentially tens of thousands of employees' personal information from a company's internal network. The government and the defense contractor said that one of its staffers, while still employed by the company, downloaded a report containing the personal information of active employees as of March 29, 2021. This is just pitiful. And... Um, they had, said, uh, they had said that they had 27,600 employees, and many of whom are contracted to U.S. government, military, and intelligence agencies and hold high-level security clearances. And that was just exploited. So the notice also said that the report downloaded by the employee contained the person's name, social security number, compensation, gender, race, ethnicity, date of birth, and the U.S. government security clearance eligibility and the status as of March 29, 2021. Now, Booz also said, and I, I quote, the report contained the personal information um, was improperly stored on an internal SharePoint site, but did not say what circumstances led to the discovery of the data, only that it recently learned of the staffer's activity. The data breach notice filed with the California Attorney General's office recently said the employee obtained the report on April 14, 2022, and Booz Allen's spokesperson, Jessica Cleanse, said the company learned of the exposure months later on October 5th. This data breach notice said that the now former staffer acted in direct contradiction of the company's policies. But that company does not believe that the individual intended to misuse any of the personal information in the report to cause harm to Booz Allen employees. It's not clear if the individual has been charged with any criminal offenses, and we'll probably learn about that more, but they're trying to blow it off as an accident, like it didn't mean to happen. So let me ask you a question. 
if somebody, let's just say, was in a parking lot and they opened their door and they didn't pay attention and they hit the person's car, even though they didn't mean to hit the car when they opened the door, they weren't careful. They still hit the car. Are they still responsible for the damage? Sure they are. Right? How many times have you heard of someone, you go somewhere, and um, you come back to your car, and you get a note on your car saying, you know, um, I recently hit your car. Here's my contact information. I'd like to handle this outside the insurance company. No, you don't get a note. You don't get a phone call. They don't wait around. You just see a dent, and they took off or a scratch. And this is is something I remember one time. Uh, I think it was uh, I think it was at a park somewhere, and there was a car. And when I had backed up, the car was very, very close. So I had just tapped the car. And what I did was I left a note saying, dear car owner, um, I did tap your car. I don't believe I caused any damage. Here's my name, my phone number. Uh, please reach back out to me. I'd be more than happy to help or pay for any damages if there is anything noticeable that you uh, realize um, in the next, let's say the next seven days. They called me back and they said, hey, John, thanks for letting me know. Um, there's nothing wrong. It was an old car. There, there was a crack bumper even before. So that was nothing you did. Um, so, yeah, you don't, you don't owe us anything. And I just want to thank you for being so forthright. You see, when people do the right thing, the other person's not looking to take advantage of you. I find too many people in our world are trying to take advantage of the other person because they believe they can. They believe they can. So does that mean that it's the right thing to take advantage? No, it doesn't mean it's the right thing at all. I don't believe it's, it's, it's the right thing at all. So um, I know, ladies and gentlemen, that this can be very challenging. And I know some people don't necessarily want to, how can I say, get into this in a manner that is confrontational, okay? And I get that some people want to settle things outside the insurance company. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I can tell you of a situation that happened to me. This was, oh gosh, um, probably over 10 years ago. I was at an outdoor um, uh, park, uh, first time I was ever there. And I parked my car way away from everyone. Went to the park and uh, I was um, walking back to my car and still nobody was around me. There were some cars behind me and to the side, but nobody was really close to my car. So I had plenty of room. And so I got into the car, put my seatbelt on, and I was just about to press the button to start my car. And just before I did that, bam, I felt this. I was like, how could I feel movement in my car if I didn't even take the brake off, if I didn't even start the car? Like, how did that happen? Car still in park, car didn't start. This is weird. So I get out of the car, I walk outside, and... I noticed that this kid in the car hit me. He, you know, he bumped right into me. I mean, I felt the shock. And so I said to him, look, I said, um, you know, license and registration. So he gets the license. He gets the registration out for me. And uh, he said, look, he said, we don't want to call the cops. We don't want to call the insurance. And, and I made the dumb mistake, ladies and gentlemen, that I saw his license. And his license was the kind that was actually um, 
So it wasn't horizontal, it was vertical. So the picture was this way. So it meant that he just got his license and he was really... Um, you don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. New at driving. And so I didn't want to cause him a lot of pain English. I said, look, uh, license registration. He gave me the information. I took the pictures. I said, look, we won't call the cops. I said, as long as you're able to, you know, so I said, oh, no problem. I'll give you my friend. He has a place. Okay, okay, fine. So um, I didn't call the cops, which was the worst thing. You always call the cops. Even if you don't do anything, you have to have it documented. Because once you leave the scene, it's like a he said, she said thing. And nobody's there to witness it. And then the car's moved and it's a whole problem. So um, a couple days go by. Um, I had gone to my local um, auto body. And I said to uh, the auto body, you know, what's it going to cost, yada, yada. And uh, he says to me, John, he goes, uh, you know, if we go through uh, the insurance company, um, we're looking at like $3,500. If we do it outside the insurance company, um, we're looking at like about 2000 Because the insurance company wanted a couple other things done. They were going to probably throw in there. So um, I go back to him and I say, look, I said, I've, um, I went to my auto body shop. And, um, you know, if uh, you're going to pay for this, we do it outside the insurance company. He says, we can fix the car for $1,500. He said, $1,500. I said, yeah. I said, you know, I drive a luxury car. I said, you know, in any, you know, the, the bumper's a couple thousand dollars easy. And uh, they have to replace the side of it. So um, I said, if you go to the insurance company, it's going to be like $4,200. And he says, okay, okay. I've got information. So we wait a week. And um, he doesn't get back to me. And, you know, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt. So I say to him, look, uh, I call him back and I say, look, so now I figure that he's not doing anything. So I decide to file a claim with my insurance company just to kind of, you know, make them aware of what happened. And so I did, but I didn't take it any further. I just kind of got it on record, but didn't go anywhere with it. But they all wanted proof of the accident. What had happened? I really didn't have that because remember, I didn't call the cops. Try to be a nice guy. And so he said, he's got a friend. He could do something for me. I said, okay, fine. He said, he could fix my car for $500. So um, I said, there's no way he could fix my car for $500. He said, yeah. He said, he can just kind of buff it up. I said, the car is dented. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a dent. And uh, he actually caused the bumper underneath my car to break. So even though you didn't see really too much damage here, he caused the, the, the piece underneath. Because he hit it so hard, he caused the piece underneath the bumper to crack. And so he was giving me a very hard time. I actually had called his mom because uh, she's the one that's actually got the policy. And they politely told me um, that I never want to get the car fixed. I said, no, I said, I said, it didn't have to be fixed today. I said, but I said, I do want to get it fixed. So she just tried to blow me off, which they did. And um, I had nothing to stand on because I didn't get the police report. If I would have gotten the police report and he played those games, he would have went to court. So the moral of my story here is, you know, it's nice to play a nice guy. 
but you always got to get their port. If you're somewhere and um, you know something happens, you got to get the report. Even if nothing gets done with it, the report stays with the police. And if you choose to exercise or do something with it, you can exercise. I mean, it's just a report. And so if you get the report and they pay for it, well, then you just don't send it to the insurance company, right? You don't do anything with it. But this person did the wrong thing. And I always believe karma is going to you know, pay for that down the road. And I have to tell you that just because he was a new driver, I thought, hey, you know, this is going to be, you know, fine. And he's going to take care of it. But he just kind of kept blowing me off. And that wasn't the right thing to do. And once I learned that, I said, you know what? I said, I'm not doing this again. This happens again. I'm calling the police. But when I tried to call the police to get a report, they're like, John, there's not much you can do. It's like days after the accident. There's nothing we can do. You know, you can go and do a self-testimony, but there's nothing else we can do. And that's not going to stand up in a court. And so what happened? I wound up having to pay that out of my pocket. Basically telling the insurance company it was a hit and run. And they tried to go after him, but they had no real way. So it was a no fault. Um, and they kept saying that uh, he didn't do it. I mean, it was just a whole game. We even had cameras that showed that he hit the car. And I went to the owner of the establishment of the park. And he said, oh, I don't get involved with these things. So if I would have went to the cops, they could have subpoenaed the data from the cameras and I would have been protected. So being a nice guy doesn't always uh, work in your best interest. So um, making sure that you CYA, cover yourself, make sure you're protected. Even if you don't need it, it's important to have that protection. All right. In other news, uh, U.S. is securing Open Source Software Act of 2022. This, my friends, is absolutely amazing. So uh, it's a very hot topic, and the U.S. government has been working with the tech industry and the open source organizations such as Linux Foundation and the Open Source Security Foundation to come up with a number of initiatives uh, over the past couple of years. And so the White House executive order um, improving the national cybersecurity without a doubt uh, had started subsequent initiatives and defined requirements for government agencies to take action on software security and in particular open source security. So an important White House meeting with the tech industry leaders produced active working groups and only a few weeks later they issued the open source software security mobilization plan. This plan includes 10 streams of work and a budget designed to address high priority security areas in the open source software from training and digital signatures to code views for top open source projects and the issuance of a software bill of materials. That's an SBOM, software bill of materials. So one recent initiative regarding the open source security is the Securing Open Source Software Act. It was a bipartisan legislation by the U.S. Senators Gary Peters, a Democrat from Michigan, and Rob Portman, a Republican from Ohio. Senator Peters and Portman are chairman and ranking members of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, respectively. And they were uh, at the uh, Log4J Senate hearings and subsequently introduced this legislation to improve open source security and best practices in the government by establishing the duties of the Director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or we call it CISA, Cyber Security uh, and Infrastructure Security Agency. Cyber Security and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. 
So the question is, you know, what's happening? I mean, and there's still a lot that has to transpire, but I believe that this is definitely a step in the right direction. I'm in a really good direction. So people think that if something's open source, that it's not secure. No, it's just how something is related, how something is used. And um, I think this is a really good thing uh, that's happening because nobody really cares about these things until it causes somebody a security breach. I mean, that's really what happens. All right, our last story for tonight, Elon Musk makes changes to Twitter that could make it hard to stop bots. <laughs> so this could be a slight problem. It could be a slight problem. So Elon has been saying for months that he wants to stamp out spam and fake accounts on Twitter, but the subtle change he's planning to make to the platform could complicate the goal. And in a tweet uh, recently, Musk said, uh, Twitter will stop showing notations such as Twitter for iPhone and Twitter web and app at the bottom of tweets, which are intended to indicate where users' messages originate. The change might seem small compared to many other ways uh, this billionaire is upending the company, but it's a move that experts say could actually make it trickier to spot inauthentic activity on the social network. So why would he want to do this? And Musk announced the plan alongside several tweets in which Twitter's new owner apologized for the platform being super slow in many countries and explained that he will turn off some unnecessary parts of Twitter architecture. As part of this, he wrote, we will, and I quote, finally stop adding what device a tweet was written on waste of screen space and commute below every tweet. Literally, no one even knows why we did that. But even if Musk doesn't see the value in it, some academics do. Experts in malicious online activity and misinformation told CNN that knowing how a tweet was posted can serve as one of the many signals that accounts are coordinating posts on the social network, which can be a sign of suspicious activity such as spam or phishing. And um, it's going to be interesting, um, and a quote that I would like to say from them, and it was, I quote, it could build evidence in combination with something else. He said, or you might look at a very large number of accounts that are already looking highly suspicious, and that field might confirm they're using some kind of automation. I don't know. The decision to potentially stop displaying source details is just one of many changes, Musk said, and he plans to make the platform uh, different as he moves quickly to cut costs, boost revenue, and rethink how one of the most influential social network functions can now function. Uh, apart from helping to spot bots, tweet source details can provide a strong indicator for whether an account has been hacked, according to some of their representatives uh, at the Boston University and the co-director of the security lab. So I think we've got to see what's happening uh, I'm not really sure where Twitter's going. I know I've used it for a while, but I don't see that it's really, I don't, I don't think it's gaining the popularity. I hope that changes in 2023. I found it very difficult to get people to follow trends on Twitter. Why? I think because there's been a lot of flack in the past, a lot of flack. And we're going to just have to see what Elon's got up his sleeve, you know, what he's planning to do. You know, why did Elon really buy Twitter? We still don't know. Was it for freedom of speech? I don't know. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have to wait and see what exactly he's uh, up to.
So I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to stay tuned with that and see where he's going and what changes are happening. Um, and we'll have to just kind of keep an eye on it and um, see, is this something good? Is this something bad? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but hopefully he has some plans. Okay. Hopefully. I don't know. Uh, one thing uh, that several companies have been talking about with Thanksgiving just around the corner is let's make Thanksgiving Day a no technology day. So this is a day that maybe you're just going to maybe just make it a few hours. So when your family or friends come over, you know, unplug for technology, maybe just for those four or five hours. Can you do that at the dinner table? So maybe you've got to check your technology in the morning, but you don't have to check it all day long. And please, for heaven's sake, don't check it at your dinner table. All right. Making a choice to use technology and making a choice to unplug from technology actually will make us more human and allow others to connect with us on a level that we didn't think was possible. You see, when technology is here, and I love technology, it creates a barrier. If we put technology down, then suddenly there's a pathway for communication. A pathway for communication. Right? And you might say, well, John, I only do this, this, or I only do this at that time. Um, you can ask people that attend your meal to basically unplug for Thanksgiving. So that means the moment they come over to your home, unplug for Thanksgiving. Ask everyone to just go cold turkey. Um, this one can be tough for a lot of football fans, but turn the TV off also during the meal. If you have those that are going to cry, schedule the meal for before or after the important game. Rather than handling uh, young children's technology uh, to have it around and keep them quiet, include them in conversations and preparations for the holiday meal. Let them work with you to set the dinner table. Um, bring out food. I know that from a very young age, my uh, mom and dad and my, my grandparents always said to me, John, you know, you need to learn how to set the dinner table. And I'm very happy uh, that I learned how to set the dinner table. A lot of my friends don't even know what saying the dinner table is, where the knife goes, where the fork goes. Uh, they don't know that, where the cup and saucer goes. So that might seem very trivial, but it's a pretty neat thing. Uh, invite all of your guests to participate in the spirit of the day by asking everyone to share what they are thankful for. And don't be really about technology. If after dinner someone wants to share their Pinterest page of Christmas decorating ideas or a video of their child's dance recital, let them. Rather than doing this at the table, however, find another part of the house that has a comfortable space to use technology. Let's just keep the dinner table tech-free. Can you do that this year, ladies and gentlemen? Let's keep our dinner table tech-free this Thanksgiving, and let's make this an amazing Thanksgiving. Ladies and gentlemen, you know who I am by now. I am John C. Worley, serial entrepreneur. It has been an amazing privilege, a pleasure, and an honor, and I'm so grateful to have you guys uh, with me here on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. I'm also very grateful uh, that there's so many other channels uh, that I have out there that you guys can check out for free, like my new blogs this year that I've been writing quite a bit. 
Uh, my latest one, I believe I just wrote, was um, Streetlights. Streetlights. Now, you might be saying, John, what, what's unique about Streetlights? Well, I'm not going to share the whole uh, can of wax here. But streetlights may be replaced. Now, if you want to learn more about what I'm talking about, go to Believe, B-E-L-I-E-V-E, me, M-E, Achieve, A-C-H-I-E-V-E.com. You can check out, of course, lots of things like John C. Morley, Serial Entrepreneur, the LinkedIn Group, uh, Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, of course, John's recent articles, John's Daily National Day videos. There is so much stuff that you guys can check out you're going to be, when I tell you blown away, um, you're going to be uh, blown away. And uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, November 18th, you know what today is? I want to take a moment to wish Mickey Mouse a happy birthday. And you might be saying to me, John, um, how old is Mickey Mouse? Well, Mickey Mouse is actually 94 years old. But he doesn't look a day over five, does he? So Mickey, Fowl, Mickey Mouse uh, officially is 94 years old. He starred in 1928. So let's take a moment, ladies and gentlemen, and just sing happy birthday to Mickey Mouse. All right, real quick. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mickey Mouse. Happy birthday to you. I know what he would say. Oh, gee, John, that was swell. Yes, Mickey, it was swell. And, you know, you've always put a smile on my face and many kids of all different ages. And I think right now, um, celebrating the fact that today is Mickey Mouse's uh, birthday is definitely a very interesting day. It's also, by the way, today is Princess Day. So if there is a, a young, uh, lovely lady in your family, great day to uh, let her shine through her beauty. Um, and being a princess doesn't mean that uh, she has to have all kinds of makeup. In fact, just making them look pretty by the way they comb their hair or brush their hair or, or what they wear, I think is a real um, amazing thing. And um, I will tell you that knowing that you are beautiful without makeup is really something uh, pretty impressive. Uh, so also today, ladies and gentlemen, is Vichy Swa Day. Yeah, what the heck is that? So that is a soup made thick with pure leeks, onions, potatoes, cream, and chicken stock. A Vichy Swa is traditionally served cold, though sometimes it's eaten hot. Um, culinary historians debate the origin of Vichy Swa, and the um, man most credited for the reinvention of the soup in the French uh, chef, Louis Diat, Back in 1950, the New Yorker magazine interviewed Diat, who was the chef at the Ritz-Carlton in New York City, he had told them. And so um, I'm going to leave you with two important things. One, go have yourself some Vichy Squaw soup today. Um, you know, sing Mickey Mouse uh, uh, a birthday uh, song. Watch a Mickey Mouse movie. And uh, you know what, ladies and gentlemen? Prepare now to have a Thanksgiving meal. It's unplugged from technology. And if you could do that now, I think there's so many things that you'll be able to discuss that technology might be preventing you from. Now, I think technology is amazing and it's great, but I am all for the fact that sometimes we need to just 
unplug from technology. Can you do that? Can you connect to the human element of your body and other people's bodies? Because if you do that, I feel a connection, a bond is going to be made. And you might just develop some even closer friendships with the family you've been working so hard to just start to make an acquaintance with. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. I appreciate you watching our show. Definitely below any of the videos. Just click on that PayPal link. Make the choice to buy my team and I a cup of coffee, a savory dessert, or some fruit. Either way, we'll invest that technology to new equipment, new software, new facilities, even new ideas to inspire you to become a better version of yourself. And again, we have lots of great guests coming up in 2023. Let's make the choice now to have this Thanksgiving, November. Yes, this Thanksgiving. Let's make the choice, ladies and gentlemen. Thanksgiving this year, November 24th, the day that you unplug from technology and you're grateful for every single thing you have and you celebrate that without connecting to it. Have yourself a wonderful day and let's use the energy of our body to engage and connect with people and create lasting impressions that we'll be able to share even when the power goes out. Have yourself a great rest of your weekend. And I'm going to be back, ladies and gentlemen, the day after Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much Thanksgiving uh, food. Uh, maybe just a little bit of pie, a little bit of pecan, maybe not too much turkey, not too much stuffing because you, know, you don't want to have this belly. It's like really, really big. And um, prepare to rest after uh, Thanksgiving because um, everyone gets tired. And the last thing I want to share with you is, you know, why do people get tired after Thanksgiving meal? Well, um, the short answer of that, most scientists think that there's a different reason why eating a special meal might make you drowsy. Eating a big Thanksgiving dinner causes an increased blood flow to the stomach, needing to help digest the food and less blood flow to the, to the brain. So uh, pretty interesting. And they say the turkey also contains uh, tryptophan, an amino acid that the body needs to make vitamin B3, and niacin and serotonin, a hormone that helps you relax. So after you have that meal, sit down, relax, maybe have a board game, but stay unplugged with technology and celebrate your life with the people you care about. And I'll see you guys on November 25th with another great episode where we'll be talking about all the things you need to get ready for in December. Have a wonderful, happy, healthy, and a very blessed Thanksgiving, everyone. Take care now. You're on track to graduate from a great school, but do you feel unsure of what's next? 
Top accounting firms want candidates like you with backgrounds outside the industry. Northeastern University's combined MS in Accounting plus MBA will prepare you to launch your career in just 15 months. Develop accounting and business expertise and gain immersive experience through a paid corporate residency. Apply now to begin next May. Northeastern.edu slash your MSA MBA.